0: This is Jeff Wagner
1: on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase this week is brought to you by The Home Market. The Home Market, a lifestyle brand, interior design, and retail store in Milwaukee's historic Third Ward neighborhood. 137, I'm Scott Warris. Jeff is back on Monday. I'll be in for Steve Scafidi on Monday. And Tuesday, so you're not rid of me yet. Last night, I spent my evening, as I know, millions and millions and I think 14 million Americans did spending time watching last night's Democratic debate. Kyle, I know you did as well, um, taking copious notes, as most Americans do, because this was the most important Democratic debate this month. So who wouldn't be paying close attention to it? Now, I know nobody watched it. It was almost three hours, but when you have ten people on stage, you need that kind of length to make sure everybody gets some face time. Um, Again, nothing really moved the needle, in my opinion. Uh, Random observations that I have. At some point, is uh, Andrew Yang going to start wearing a tie? I recognize he's running for president, but maybe he... At some point, I mean, I know he's going for the, the kind of the casual look, what you've got a crazy look did, on your face.
0: did you hear about this uh, thing like he's giving away oh yeah, he's giving us checks thousand dollars yes. to, a, to a supporter of his cause um, every single month. is
1: Yeah no hes is that legal? Andrew Well, well, come on now, it doesn't legal schmigo. I'm on now, we're running for president here. But you, you and your legal questions—you're always hung up on—is it legal or not, Kyle? What is wrong with you? My gosh, running for president—we can't get caught up in the in the minor details of this. Now, Andrew Yang has and this is like the second debate now where he has said he will send us individual checks that will help stimulate the economy and other things. And I don't know.
0: So if I just give him five dollars, that puts me—that's that's my lottery ticket, huh?
1: He can buy I guess it. so. But have you noticed he doesn't wear ties? I, I've never seen him in a tie. Maybe he's wearing a tie on the campaign trail. Although if you're wearing a tie on the campaign trail, why wouldn't you wear a tie on the pres- on the presidential debate stage? I don't know. It's a page out of the Chris Abley fashion book.
0: i have actually been following the Democratic candidates quite a bit, but I hadn't really heard of Andrew Yang oh that God. that much un-
1: until I heard Why do this. you hate America, Kyle? Why do you oh, hate no. the future of our country? Oh, no. Anyway, yeah, Andrew Yang is still tireless. Um, last night's format, and it was hosted by ABC, so you had George Stephanopoulos. Um, well, I don't even know who the ABC nightly news anchor is. Uh, muir david muir david muir uh and his hair they were there on the dais they had a couple of other pe- there were four people on there um i the format was pretty much what it's been although the thing that i found really annoying was the fact that they they the moderator stephanopoulos in essence but those asking the questions, and they probably did this at the beginning. I'll admit I missed the very beginning. They did not reprimand the crowd for, for applause. So basically after every answer for three hours, you had applause. That grows to be very annoying.
0: Makes for great TV.
1: Well, it's just, I mean, come on. Okay, there's the Andrew Yang pocket of fans. All right. There's the Beto. beto. So after everything they would say, there would be a reaction by the crowd. And I kept waiting for Stephanopoulos to turn around and say, ladies and gentlemen, please save your applause for the end. They always say that. I, I know that the crowd oftentimes will still interject. But this was after every answer because you had the pocket of supporters for all 10 of the candidates feel like we need to applaud just because... Fill in the blank. So and so answered. Amy Klobuchar. People are saying Amy Klobuchar had a good night. I don't know. She's way on the end, and she's playing the "I'm from Middle America" and "I'm from Flyover Country" card. That seems to be the the road that she's going down right now. So that annoyed me just from a way the logistics, you know, operationally speaking, the way the debate went on. Joe Biden. Look, I understand that Joe Biden does not wow you at debates didn't wow me. He's not wowing anybody at debates. I didn't remember him being this bad when he was running for the nomination back in was that 2008 right? The one that Obama won. But he's still the front runner to me, and I continue to debate this with um, our colleague Nick Van Wagenen, the afternoon producer, our executive producer. Who th- Nick said he he says that Biden has zero percent chance to win a nomination. I mean, come on, Nick, that's just not even realistic. I still think Biden is he's still the front runner. I still think Biden is the man to beat if you are a Democrat on that stage, and I still think that it will be Biden versus Trump next year. In November, I I just I think that and the likability factor is there for Biden. Say what you will about his policies. I would I, I would have a I would have a beer, I would have a beer with Joe Biden.
0: Just, sure, just the yeah. pure
1: likability. There are some people for which I would not want to just have a beer and a and a burger or something like that. The
0: other candidates, you mean?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to you know. There's, I don't. Would you want to have a beer with Bernie Sanders? Sure, sure. Uh,
0: He'd I
1: think, make you pay for it. I th-
0: <laughs> we'd pay for our own. Have, we'd we'd, we'd go Dutch. It's fine. That's fine. Uh, the, I mean, I'm, uh, Cory Booker doesn't really excite me too too much. Beto, either. It's, it's, it's really hard to know, for me, what Beto is truly standing for in terms of a lot of his policies and his issues besides... You know, gun reform. I think that's be the the one that he's going to. He
1: was strong. Right now, sadly, yeah. it took what happened in El Paso and Odessa. You know, over the last month, because he's that those tragedies. But now the 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 gun issue is one that he clearly is. Okay, this is my cause because it has hit him and his constituents, former constituents, so closely. It's something close to now home for him, and he was strong there last night. Maybe as strong as he's been.
0: I think it's easy for that to become kind of your rallying cry though when it happens from your hometown. You know, you go to your hometown where it happens mm-hmm. and I mean he probably still had these feelings that he said on the stage last night yeah. before that those shootings happened, but then you know that was the spark.
1: Yeah, it was. Unfortunately so. Yeah. So he was good last night. He was he was as strong I thought Beto was as strong as he's been in any one of these other debates. But at the end of it all Biden is still the leader. He was the leader going in. He's the leader coming out, although being just so unimpressive. I, I, I'm not saying that Biden is an impressive debater. I, I He forgets. Whether he forgets or not, some might say he stumbles, he bumbles, he's not smooth. And there was one example last night of Uncle Joe, up there on the stage, kind of going and rambling and talking, and I wasn't sure what he was talking about, and I don't know that he was sure what he was talking about. It's riveting audio. I'll bring it to you next.
2: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Offering my very rudimentary layman reaction to last night's Democratic debate, which was again, as I'm, I'm labeling last night the biggest Democratic debate in September. So, if you missed it, you may want to, you know, spend the next two, uh, two and a half hours. That's a good way to spend a Friday night. If you missed it, go on YouTube or one of the news, you know, websites. They've posted the whole thing. Spend two hours, about two hours and forty minutes or so, I think, was how long the debate lasted, and watch it. I mean, it is, it is riveting, riveting. Hello. So here was Joe Biden, leader of the primary, I think so far, and the polls bear that out. Yes, even though they're tightening, that may be fine and good. This was one of those moments where Joe Biden just starts, what would you call it, diarrhea of the mouth? You just kind of start, it just starts coming out, and you can't control it, and it's random thoughts and things coming out. Here was the, I'm going to read the question, and then I'll play the answer, Okay. Here was the question from Lindsey Davis, one of the panelists. Mr. Vice President, I want to talk to you about inequality in schools and race. In a conversation about how to deal with segregation in schools back in 1975, you told a reporter, quote, I don't feel responsible for the sins of my father and grandfather. I feel responsible for what the situation is today, for the sins of my own generation, and I'll be damned if I feel responsible to pay for what happened 300 years ago, end quote. You said that some 40 years ago. But as you stand here tonight, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? That was the question. Here was Uncle Joe's answer.
2: Well, they have to deal with the, the, look, there is institutional segregation in this country. And from the time I got involved, I started dealing with that. Redlining, banks, making sure that we are in a position where, look, talk about education. I propose that what we take is those very poor schools, the Title I schools. Triple the amount of money we spend from 15 to 45 billion a year. Give every single teacher a race to the equal race of getting out of the $60,000 level. Number two, make sure that we bring in the help to help the, the teachers deal with the problems that come from home. The problems that come from home, we, need, we have one school psychologist for every 1,500 kids in America today. It's crazy. The teachers are, and I'm married to a teacher, my deceased wife is a teacher. They have every problem coming to them. We have to make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school. School, not daycare, school. We bring social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, want, they don't know quite what to do play the radio make sure the television the, excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the, the, the phone. make sure the kids hear words a kid coming from a very poor school a, a very poor background will hear 4 million words fewer spoken by the time they get there there's Thank so you, much we week- no i'm, I'm going to go like the rest of them do twice over okay <laughs> because, because here's the deal. The deal is that we've got this little backwards. And by the way, in Venezuela, we should be allowing people to come here from Venezuela. I know Madura. I've confronted Madura. Number two, you talk about the need to do something in Latin America. I'm the guy that came up with $740 million to see to it those three countries. In fact, change their system so people don't have a chance to leave. You're all acting like we just discovered this yesterday. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Mr. You Vice much. President.
1: Again, the question was, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? That was the unedited answer. That was a minute, 53 seconds. The answer, as Joe Biden gave it last night. I mean, you talk about old man yelling at a bus shelter just randomly at things that was that was out there that was that was Joe Biden last night there's all kinds of ridiculous clips and comments about did Joe Biden have his teeth slip on him last night did he forget things is he just old i don't know i don't i don't care about some of those silly little things but the guy's been an elected official since he was 29, 30 years old. He's in his 70s now. I'm really surprised at how poor he is when he's on the debate stage. I, it, it like I said, I can't remember. I'll have to, you know what I should do? I should go back and watch some of his prior debate clips. Whether it was when he ran for president, you know, back in, in the 20, the lead up to 2008 whether it was maybe some of the debate clips of him running just for his Senate seat in Delaware. I'm just baffled by how poor he is debating. And I I don't know enough of his background, like I say, and can recall feeling this way before. So that was the first time you had heard that, Kyle, because you said you didn't watch last night.
0: Yeah, I saw different clips on Twitter. Right, right. I didn't see the debate last night. But, yeah, that was one of the main clips. I mean, and, yeah, I mean, when you – it's almost like when you – you read that you hear the question and you hear his answer and you get a little bit confused but it's even more confusing if you read the text like if you just read the the question as a text form and then his answer in text form and you're like I mean, what where where did this even go cuz then you're more well, interested there's a in- lot of
1: places i mean we started with education and we ended with venezuela
0: yeah i mean it seems like there are just different there's a lot of different light bulbs up there and there's and there and different ones turn on and then he's like I got to talk about this suddenly and then oh yeah I have this in my mind and now I got to talk about this and it's pinballing and I have you you don't really have much to say about it you're like what the
1: what is oh, he yeah. saying yeah well based on that that answer there's a there's a whole christmas tree worth of light bulbs going on in there And what was he doing with the, the quote was, make sure that every single child does in fact have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school, school, not daycare, school. We bring social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not what they want to help, they don't know what, they don't know what quite what to do. Play the radio, hey, I'm all for that. Uh, Make sure the television, then he... Cuts himself off. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. <laughs> the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. How many record players are in homes with with young children anymore? I don't know. Does that mean that if he's going to be elected president, he's going to bring back the fireside chats? We can all sit around the big radio at home. The I don't know. Have the kids listen to more Guy Lombardo records. That will help. That's, that's, that's an interesting platform. Okay, enough of that. Enough.
2: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Is something that will be accurate on Monday? Jeff is back on Monday. I'm Scott Warris. I've appreciated everybody who has taken part in the program in the last little a week and a half or so. With Jeff on extended vacation, no doubt. Maybe he'll bring back some good stories. Do you know if he'll be bringing back any souvenirs? Hopefully, a
0: keychain or something. Oh, huh?
1: yes. Because <laughs> that's what you need—another keychain, right? <laughs> By the way, this weekend uh, the Packers open up uh, uh, their home schedule against the Vikings. It's a noon start, right? Yeah, noon start on Sunday, and at halftime, they will be honoring Bart Starr. Special ceremony, in fact, uh, on the field at halftime of the game against Minnesota. Cherry Starr will be in attendance. Bart Starr Jr. will be in attendance. Mark Murphy is going to say a few words. They're going to have a special tribute to the... uh, Hall of Fame quarterback that'll be played on the video board, so something to remember if you're going to be heading up to the game on Sunday. I would imagine there's a chance, maybe, that Fox, which is carrying the game, uh, might televise that. You hope, maybe. Are we going to be stuck watching Terry Bradshaw and the other talking heads, perhaps? But anyway, something pretty cool coming up. Of course, this is the this will be the first home game since Bart Starr passed away during the off season. But something to keep in mind as well. And if you can't catch it. Maybe look for it posted on the Packers website after the game. It is two eleven. Let me just get a quick reaction to this. If you'd like to react, 414 799 1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line, 414 799 1620. I'm trying to, in stories where it's, did this person act rightly or wrongly? Was somebody in the right? Was somebody in the wrong? I try to find a way to contort my mind such that I can put myself in the shoes of the person who is coming under fire for how they acted or reacted. I'm trying to do it in this case of this this Taco Bell, these Taco Bell employees at a Louisville, Kentucky restaurant this week. And I can't do it. I really can't. I tried to, but I can't. Can you? React to the story for me, would you? 414-799-1620. Okay, here's the story. The woman's name is Shannon Gridley, and this week she tried to buy a group of nearly 20 homeless people dinner at a local Taco Bell. When she did, the manager of the Taco Bell ordered that the bathrooms remain locked, the lobby closed, and kicked out Shannon Gridley and the 20 homeless people she was trying to help. When the manager was asked what happened, she said, not allowed to comment. A reporter walked to the door. The manager lectured her employees, telling them that's how they should respond if the media started asking questions. One employee did talk, confirming parts of Gridley's story, adding some context about other ways that the store's managers, plural, treat the homeless and advocates who try to help them. Hmm. Here's what happened. Here's some of the backstory. This was Tuesday night. So Shannon Gridley's leaving uh, the local community and technical college. She wanted to grab a bite, late dinner around 7.30, so she headed to Taco Bell. She says she was inspired by a biography biography of Eddie Murphy, who I didn't know this. Eddie Murphy was known to take drifters and prostitutes out to dinner when he was a young comedian Hmm. on the stand-up circuit in Los Angeles. So what does she do? Gridley invites three homeless people she saw on the street to join her. So that's three. Then she sees three more people on a street corner asking for money. Invited them. Now we're up to six. And as she walked under the viaduct, she saw about a half dozen more people just hanging out, some of them asleep. So she invited them. So that's about up to 12 now. Then, as they were about to go inside the restaurant... One of the men saw a buddy, so one of the homeless people saw somebody he knew who was standing at a bus stop with about five other people. So we're about up to 18-ish now. Gridley said, invite them all. As much as it was a gift to people who badly needed it, it was more a sign of respect. These are the people who most prefer not to acknowledge. They stare through them at intersections or avert their eyes as they walk down the street. So you got Shannon Gridley. And let's just say the 20 homeless people heading into a Taco Bell. The managers call them those people, said the Taco Bell employee who didn't want their name used. By the time those people arrived at the door Tuesday night, like I said, there are 20 of them, ranging from mid-teens to mid-60s. And there's Gridley, this 44-year-old empty nester from Louisville. She's studying to be a nurse. So they approached the door at Taco Bell. First, security guard began questioning one of the homeless guys in the group. When Gridley saw that, she goes up to the guard and explains what she's doing. She said, I held up my credit card and said, look, all these people are going to order everything they want. I'm paying for it. The employee working the cash register immediately then turns, tells a coworker, this is all going to be to go. Beg it all to go. In in essence, we're not letting them camp out here. We're not letting them sit and eat in-house. One of the younger homeless people, 16-year-old girl, tried to use a restroom. It had been locked. An employee told the group it had been cleaned about an hour and a half before closing time. Hmm. And the workers were not about to clean it again. So they've closed the bathrooms 90 minutes before the restaurant closes. Gridley protests. She told the employee that she and her new friends were going to eat in the restaurant. She said some of the men needed to, some of them needed to use the restroom. So the first part of the group orders. The employees would not allow them to take their food before it was paid for. So Gridley puts 77 bucks on her credit card and a group of them takes their food, sits down. Next group orders. Then another group orders. One nicely dressed man came in saw Gridley doing what she was doing, gave her some money to help. See what's going on here? About that time, a worker came out and announced, dining room is closed, folks, even though there were a few of this homeless group that hadn't ordered. Neither had the nicely dressed man, by the way, who donated to the cost. This was about 745. They close at 9 o'clock. When the nicely dressed man objected, Gridley said the woman at the register offered to take his order, I said, stop, nobody's ordering anything until they do, uh, pointing to the other homeless people in the group. That's when everyone was kicked out, she said. Kicked out everybody. The employee who spoke with the reporter confirmed key parts of the story. The only place their stories diverged is that the employee thought it happened about a half hour later than Gridley recalled. The employee said the managers have threatened to have homeless advocates with cars towed when they've parked in the nearly empty parking lot to deliver food and water to homeless people who live nearby. What is your reaction to this story? Is this a complete overreaction, unnecessary steps by this restaurant? Or, in some way, shape, or form, can you understand the reaction when a woman comes in with, in essence, 20 homeless people to the restaurant and kind of commandeers things, even if it was an hour, hour and a half or so before closing time. 414-799-1620 on the Accuton Mortgage talk and text line. 414-799-1620. Is this a story where you can somehow, some way put yourself in the shoes of the Taco Bell employees? Or is this just absolutely, totally 100% uncalled for?
2: Back for more. Here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, I outlined the story of uh, what occurred at the Taco Bell in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm just, is this one of those where we can somehow, because like I said before, it can happen whereby you, you can, even if you don't agree with the decision, the action by somebody, you can at least see their perspective, you can put yourself in their shoes. Or is this just simply not one of those cases? Quickly here, in the time we have Dave in Waukesha. Hey, Dave, happy Friday. What's your reaction?
2: I, I think it's completely uncalled for. I mean, number one is I could understand if they were belligerent or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, given some sort of a, uh, extenuating certain sense where they would, you know, be obnoxious or something like that. But, I mean, really, I mean, it just, it, it makes no sense. I mean, she's just trying to help. And then, then you have a second, you know, a second person in there that's trying to, um, contribute if you will Mm -hmm. um what's the rationale i guess is my my point yeah it it, it really comes down to
1: i'm with you i'm I'm with you dave it's tough to wrap your mind around and, and i understand that oftentimes fast food employees it's not the easiest job maybe when it comes to customer service um, when people are waiting in line and it's, you know, they can get a little testy if the orders aren't being taken fast enough or being fulfilled well, yeah, fast always, enough and, and all that already, stuff. You and you're dealing with all kinds of people. I understand, but I can't get my, thanks for the call, buddy. I, I cannot get my mind around this reaction. Um, another little uh, tidbit here. Employees, according to one of the employees, said that we are under strict orders not to allow homeless people to come into the store to use the restrooms. I can see that. Look, I understand fast food restaurants that have the policy, if you want to use a restroom, you have to make a purchase of some sort. I, I get that. Um, Taco Bell for... Their input in this, uh the mothership, Taco Bell, saying the company understands that homelessness is an unfortunate issue, that the franchisee looks forward to connecting with local organizations to see how they can help and work better together in the future. Real quickly on the text line here, 262 text. I used to be a general manager of a restaurant, and that is atrocious. Everyone there should be terminated. Uh, Another one from the 262. I can't believe people can be that cruel to other humans. I get frustrated with the homeless myself, but this is absolutely pathetically terrible. Brian in West Bend. Uh, Mark River West, totally wrong. Totally wrong. 414 says, I'd like to know a little bit more. Did this establishment have problems with the homeless population recent, recently? Not, a, not enough info here for me on this one. This is all I can tell you. This is all the information that is out there uh right now. 920 kind of alludes to some of that. Based on some of the details, sounds like this Taco Bell may have been having problems with the homeless people on a regular basis. If that's the case, I can completely understand how they would be upset with a whole herd of homeless people coming in shortly before closing time. Here's the thing that I come back to, though. This woman is paying for all of them. So whether they're homeless or not, you've got 20 customers, paying customers. And if you're open for an hour and a half or so yet, and if they want to eat inside the restaurant, and each one of the meals will be paid for, how in the world do you turn them away? Look, if they walked in five minutes, ten minutes before closing time, And this woman is saying, I'm going to pay for all these people's meals. And you say, look, we're up against the clock. We close in five minutes, ten minutes even. But an hour plus before closing time? How can you not let them sit in a chair and eat their meal? Based on, again, the information we have available to us in this story as it stands right now. Paying customers, open for over an hour yet. I do not understand how you turn these people away, even if you've been having some issues in the past, unless unless the issues that you've been having with homeless are just so extraordinary and the extenuating circumstances are just so off the chart that you go to these extents. But barring that, I can't get my mind around reacting to this. I understand the frustration that people have with the homeless and panhandlers and all that stuff. But they are human beings. They are people, too, this just in. And to refuse them the service in this respect, tip of the cap to Shannon Gridley, but for how these people were treated, shame on this Louisville, Kentucky Taco Bell for failing to provide the customer service that they should provide. That is that. Um, coming up in two minutes, I've got a trio of stories for you. We'll get to it quickly. How spilled coffee forced a plane to divert over the Atlantic Ocean. It is Friday the 13th, by the way, and uh, there's something happening in the night sky that is of note. And happy 50th anniversary, happy 50th birthday, if you will, to one of the most iconic cartoons of all time. It's a Friday edition of
2: Great Scott. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on
1: WTMJ. Let's get to it. We've got a couple of minutes here before the news, and then Friday Fun comes up at 2.33. So in these next couple of minutes, let's make room and time for... Great God. It's Friday the 13th. Does that freak you out at all? Are you bothered, Kyle, by Friday the 13th?
0: No, but there's a full moon tonight.
1: There is. That is exactly what I mean. Not only is it a full moon, it is a harvest moon. A harvest moon will be visible pretty much through the weekend... This is somewhat rare for a full moon to appear on Friday the 13th. Last time it happened was October 13th, 2000. And it won't happen again until August 13th, 2049. 30 more years before we get to enjoy the, such a night again. What is a harvest moon, you say? It, it, the harvest moon is the full moon closest to the autumnal autumn equinox, friends. The beginning of fall, which this year is September 23rd, It's different from other full moons because it rises at roughly the same time for several nights running, giving more light. The harvest nickname, if you will, has to go back, not surprisingly, to the age when farming was, well, running the country anyway. In the days before tractors with headlights, they would use moonlight to work. Thus, the Harvest Moon became the nickname. Yes, enjoy it tonight because, like I said, you're going to have to wait another 30 years for a Friday the 13th full Harvest Moon. Great stuff! They offer coffee to pilots. I think we all realize that. So, this is a story out of the UK. Passenger aircraft, almost 350 people on board, was forced to divert. We're now learning earlier this year, but now we're learning why it happened. An Airbus flying from Frankfurt to Cancun had to land in Ireland. They offered and served coffee to the pilots. The report now, we're getting the details. The main pilot was monitoring the co-pilot's over the Atlantic Ocean when coffee was served. Okay, that's fine. The drinks were given in cups without lids. Okay, does that seem smart? Anyway, the report says it was normal for the company operating the flight. The main pilot put the coffee on his tray table. Yes, you know it. The cup was knocked over. Most of the liquid fell onto the commander's lap. And a small amount spilled on the main ACP-1, the autopilot control board. Well... The ACP-1 and later the co-pilot's ACP-2 became hot enough to start melting one of its buttons. This resulted in the control panels failing, communication difficulties happening, (laughs) smoke starts billowing in the cockpit, the pilots had to put on their oxygen masks and divert the flight to Ireland, all because of spilled coffee. Last but not least, you want to guess what cartoon turns 50 years old? Scooby-Doo. September 13th, 1969, CBS premiered an animated comedy called Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The first episode, question, was called What a Night for a Night. It followed that kooky mystery gang of Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby as they investigated an archaeologist's disappearance and faced off against a suit of armor, haunted suit of armor, launching indelible gags and catchphrases like zoinks along the way. It was kind of a spinoff of the cartoon Johnny Quest. I was a big Scooby-Doo fan as a kid, big fan of Scooby-Doo. Although as an adult, you start examining things related to Scooby-Doo, and you're like, look, if somebody would have just said, let's rip the mask off this thing, then we don't have to spend the next half hour being chased through buildings. Just pull the head off in the first five minutes, and you could solve the mystery. And then the Mystery Mobile, remember that? It would always go up and down, but the background would always constantly stay the same. So every five seconds, you would have the exact same scenic background as the van would just kind of... Go up and down and uh, the mystery mobile, the mystery mobile, mystery van. What is wrong with me? That's a Friday edition of Great Scott.